Hi, I'm Jacob, and I have high mortality salience. Hi, I'm Kieran, and what happened to customer service? Indeed. And this, this is, is Pop, Pop Goes, Goes Capitalism. Capitalism. alert ah uh, this this whole podcast is basically just me and Kieran coping with late stage capitalism and so each month we're going to start off each episode by asking how it's going for the other person so Kieran how have you been coping with late stage capitalism this month I've been sleeping more you know getting up later having naps because I love those like few seconds after you wake up and you, like, yeah. don't really have a clue what's going on. You're just like, oh, this bed is comfy. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. And did it work? Did it ease the pain? No. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, yeah, so how have you been coping with late-stage capitalism this month? I sort of rediscovered libraries as an Ooh. adult. Cool. It's like a place you can sit, you can work without paying anybody anything, and there's toilets and Wi-Fi, water bottle refill points. Oh, it's so good. I haven't been in a library in ages, but I, I, I love libraries, yeah. Um, it's so good. Yeah. So, did it work? Did it ease the pain? No, no. It was a public-private partnership. <sighs> and that's that on that. Cool. So... Chit-chat. Chit chat. Let's chit some charts. Kieran, what's been happening? What's occurring in the charts? So, in a shocking turn of events, Lana Del Rey shot up to number nine in the charts last week mm. following the official release of her previously leaked song, Say Yes to Heaven. Huh. According to the media, another person almost said yes to heaven this week. Last week, sorry. After supposedly crashing into the gates of Downing Street, a man's been arrested on suspicion of criminal damage and dangerous driving. So I encourage anyone listening to watch the video. So I I managed to find the video um, and I was like, what's going on? Like I had to squint to see the car first of all. And then and then it was just like rolling forwards so calmly. Um, and I couldn't help but feel that crash was quite a melodramatic word. So I like I looked up the definition because, you know, there are like so many words where you understand them, but you couldn't really explain what they are. Mm. Um, so so the definition of a crash is a violent collision between a vehicle and another object. So, Jacob... This wasn't that. <laughs> yeah, do you think the media's being a little bit sensationalist here? <laughs> just just a little bit. They could have framed it like assassination on Rishi Sunak. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No, this was a light bump on a fence uh, miles away from Downing Street. And, I mean, yeah. I've been to Downing Street. Like, there's, there's a lot more road behind that gate before you would have got anywhere important. Uh... Um <laughs> Like, I've seen better uses of the word crash on, like, I don't know, albums, like Charlie XCX's fifth studio album, Crash. Oh, yeah. That's a good album. Now, honestly, (laughs) it it just looked like... More of a crash than this. (laughs) It looked like an accidental, like, 
somebody left the handbrake off or something. Like it really. And then didn't, didn't he get arrested that... on different charges as well because he actually had loads of indecent images of kids? No, no, Did I you, haven't. That was a development that happened afterwards. Something along those lines. Oh my god! So he wasn't goodness. actually like arrested for the, the the light bump of the Downing Street gates. It was something <sighs> completely different. <sighs> Don't quote me exactly on that. But, oh wow! Um, that's what I read uh, somewhere. Um, I don't. I probably heard it actually rather than read it somewhere. But yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Crazy. <laughs> well, Calvin Harris and Ellie Goulding um, have been number one for the whole of May. Don't know if you knew that. Their track's called "Miracle," and I think it's honestly quite a miracle that nothing more dramatic, more along the lines of Crashgate, um, <laughs> happened during the May the sixth coronation of. King, what's his face? The third. <laughs> yeah, that was this month somehow. May saw King Char number three crowned, um, proving that May is actually two months in disguise. It's the shortest wow, month yeah. in terms of how many letters, but it's the fucking longest how it feels. Definitely. This event, which I was calling Straight Pride, saw police arrest 52 people. Um, for offences including affray, affray. public order offences, and breaches of the peace, and conspiracy to cause a public nuisance. So not p- causing oh one, God. a conspiracy to cause a public nuisance. Oh. A breakdown later revealed that it was uh, 32, so about 60%, that were arrested on suspicion of conspiracy to cause public nuisance. So that was just suspicion. That wasn't, they had the conspiracy. That was a suspicion of a conspiracy, which hadn't actually, there's like so many layers to this conspiracy. It's suspicion of a conspiracy. Goodness. AKA the police thought they looked sus AF and had no reason to really arrest them at all. Human Rights Watch UK, Jasmine Ahmed, said that the reports of people being arrested for peacefully protesting the coronation, incredibly alarming, I have to. Yeah, agree. Yeah, Despite yep. the arrests, hundreds of protesters still gathered in the rain in central London on May the 6th with chants including, but not limited to, Not my king! Down with the crown! Don't talk to the police and get a real job! <laughs> oh, that is great. That is great. No, I can't. I can't that that's actually like an, a, a, a name of, of an offence now. <laughs> conspiracy to cause a public nuisance like i hear you say conspiracy and i'm like what murder like come on get give, give the real juicy details you know like the conspiracy of a pizza express <laughs> like and it's like to make some people inconvenienced basically it's like um, oh my oh wow i mean i mean this is all i don't think this was intentional for like the coronation it was convenient but i don't think it was intentional there's yeah. been an honest government ad this week have you are you familiar with honest government ads from the oh, juice media i am but i haven't seen the new one oh it's about okay. a similar law that's being passed in south australia i want to say okay. and it's definitely like th- there is definitely growing like awareness amongst the powerful that um climate change is about to ramp up to the next level of shit fuckery and so we've got to stop people like peacefully protesting because um shit's about to hit the fan so we need (sighs) to be able to arrest them all and control them all and the rise in these sorts of powers especially in the like imperial core as it's known is is alarming to say the least but it's not unexpected (laughs) 
this is sort of the natural progression of we're just ignoring climate change and just like cuddling in the bed for oil companies like yeah yeah we're gonna have to control these protests otherwise people are gonna think we're not in control it's concerning but uh yeah yeah so in other news beyonce's album track america has a problem entered the charts at 22 this week following the commencement of the uk leg of her renaissance world tour which I did go to see in Sunderland, and I oh. absolutely loved it. First time was seeing her. Oh yeah, definitely. But I was oh, I was mate. seated, which made me feel kind of uncomfortable because the people in front of me were stood up. So it's like, well, I have oh. to stand up. Um, I but, thought there was rules about if you had a seat, you were meant to stay seated for those sorts of things. There are no rules in Sunderland, Jacob. <laughs> oh. It's a dark place, Sunderland. <laughs> Um, oh, we don't talk about them. Uh, but um, <laughs> the uh, there was a, a group of people behind me who like kicked their beers over no. onto us. So then I was like, right, I'm fucking standing. I'm not going to sit down again. Also, who drinks beer at a Beyonce concert? Come on, kids. Beyonce. It's, like it's like that Tyra Banks in. Uh, okay, right. I'm getting oh. derailed. Ah, uh, yeah. So. America has a problem, entered the charts at 22. According to numerous media organisations, though, unlike America, the UK does not have a problem. (laughs) They've reported the fantastic news that earlier this month, the Office for National Statistics found that inflation had fallen from 10.1% to 8.7%. Woohoo! It's over, I know that guys. I've got everything on the script that you were about to say, but for some reason, you saying that unlike America, the UK doesn't have a problem. I spat coffee everywhere. Oh shit! It was a spit take. So sorry if you heard sloshing there. That was me just trying to recover some like vital equipment from being drowned. Oh my goodness. Um. Okay. Inflation's fallen. Cool. Yeah, so this is one area where I absolutely cannot stand the media and the way it reports its stories. The fact that inflation like fell from 10.1% to 8.7% is firstly hardly even a positive. It says that prices rose by 8.7% from this time a year ago. That's not good news. It's just very, very slightly less shit news. But it's, and also, yeah, it's like, it's based on a year ago, but like when you're going through something crazy like this, where prices are rising so quickly, how relevant is it even? I don't remember what milk cost in April last year. You know? I measure everything from like price hike perspectives in Greg's. And <laughs> when I tell you, I can only buy one Greg's pizza for the price of what I used to be able to buy two. And that is a crime in my mind. Oh, that's sad. Oh dear, Coupons has gone up too. I don't know if you have Coupons down south though. I do like not Midlands. know what you mean by Coupons. You don't. It sounds that... like a good place. To oh my get your goodness! When, <laughs> when you come up north again, you have to try it. It's like Greg's, but it's it's like just different. Yeah. Oh, is it like the Cornish Bakery of the the, the far north? <laughs> I've never heard of the Cornish Bakery. <laughs> That's the Greg's of the far south. Oh. Wow. Oh you my can't goodness. move in Cornwall for a Cornish bakery. Oh, okay. I need to come down then. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm stuck in Birmingham where we had the weird mix of Pret and also Greg's. Oh, and that also, is strange. Um, a thousand Costas. 
<laughs> I remember when I went to Cambridge, um, like there was only one Greg's and it was like oh. half, it was like 15, 20, 25 minute walk, like away from the classy, posh, old, oldy England buildings and stuff. You had to go to like the bad area of Cambridge. And I bad went area where the Greggs eaters I, live. Yeah, I went there regularly because Greggs. Because the bad area is also the good area. Exactly. Um, yeah. So my second gripe with this story is that food price inflation was at nineteen point nineteen point two percent in March. So like, like why aren't we really screaming about that? And in April, it only fell by point one percent to nineteen point one percent. So, like, that really important area of household costs are still rising at, like, an unbearable rate. But but all the media wants to say about it is, yay, things are getting more expensive more slowly than before. Like, ugh. <laughs> Instead of, like, things getting less expensive, we're just happy they're not going up that fast as they used to be. But also, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah so what oh. so what do you have to say on the topic of like the media reporting about economic affairs and specifically like inflation i mean i'm i i used to want to work in the media so bad um and now i can't strap them all um <laughs> And a reminder as well, economics is all fucking fake. It's a social construct, and all of this hell is just a choice on the part of those with power and profit-making devices. Agreed. And secondly, profiting on, like, people, things that they need to survive, like human bodies need food, water, it should just be a crime to profit on that. Making prices go up by 19.2%, that's an insane jump Yeah. from, like, anything even reasonable nothing is reasonable under capitalism is what i want to say yeah i want to do unspeakable things to these like companies in minecraft (laughs) totally i ran out of money this month for the like the first time since uni like i i full on was like the pot is empty who needs savings i don't uh i tried to just live my life as best i can with what i have because yeah. I just do not see, like, personally, a way of, like, making anything better. So I just have to try and live and not worry too much about spending an extra £3 on something that should cost 50p or whatever. Yeah. It's unbearable. And I cannot stand the reporting being like, it's good news, because it's, it's absolutely not good news. Good news would be... You know, the revolution has come, viva, um, <laughs> things of this nature. So long as inflation is positive, like, like the milk's where the milk's at, that's it. It's not getting better. It's not getting better. It's, as long as inflation it, is there, let's just well, bin that off. Yeah, but like, so long as inflation is there, which I, I suppose will be for the foreseeable future, sadly. Then it's just, it all! It's just going to keep on getting worse. But it's like, yay, look, your milk's going to stop getting so much more expensive so quickly. It's like, yeah, we don't drink, we don't drink dairy milk anymore. Rico and oh. me, my husband, Rico and me. We, we don't drink plant, uh, yeah, we don't drink dairy milk anymore because the plant milk is so much cheaper. 
So we just is buy it that. Actually? If you're going, uh, so Lidl, oh, this is this will be like a time capsule. This, so <laughs> well, so <laughs> either the far future, which is like a month away, yeah. it will yeah. either be like that's so cheap or that's so uh, expensive. So we so we get like the UHT milk. Uh, so semi skimmed dairy milk is ninety five p per litre, and the unsweetened soy milk in Lidl is sixty five p per litre. And then if you, we have a farm foods nearby. I don't know if you have that across the I, country. I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever been in one, but I've heard of them. They, they were selling the most disgusting sounding milk. Oh, no. Pea milk. Oh, how is your milk a pea? <laughs> um, but, oh. it, but it's actually so delicious. And it's 39p per 950 litres. So, wow. so, so we like bought a substantial amount of pea milk. Yeah. So you're now stocked up for the apocalypse on pea milk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, now that I'm saying it over and over, I just can't unhear it. Is this, is this your coming out as, like, a kink oh! that I, I didn't know about? Oh, my God. Every... Is this how we learn about... <laughs> oh, God. About the unspeakable thing. Just wait till you hear that my cloud cloud subscription service is called Pea Cloud. <laughs> I'm starting to have suspicions here. <laughs> oh, God. This sound effect uh, now has taken on a whole new meaning oh no. as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's time <laughs> to deep. <laughs> to go really deep into the pee milk. <sighs> okay. Oh, that's ended me. That's so good. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sweating. Right. Oh, I have a tear. Let's let's try that again. Right. Whew. There we go. Welcome to our main topic for this episode, our deep dive onto the Eurovision Song Contest in general. Dun, dun, dun. If you want the fun sort of shit that we did last time, that's the episode you need to listen to, part one <laughs> of this one, which is called Eurovision Debrief. We spoke about Lorene winning the whatever number Eurovision it was Woo-hoo. in Liverpool a few weeks ago. And now it's time to get deep into the politics of Eurovision. Before I go any further, I need to do a terminology check with you because this is quite important because I will say these acronyms are ungodly okay. Okay. Oh, in no. okay. this episode. So EBU... <laughs> stands for the European Broadcasting Union, whereas ESC stands for the Eurovision (laughs) Song Contest. I haven't used ESC half as much as EBU, but I wanted both on the table for if and when I use those terms. So the EBU is the European Broadcasting Union. They're the sort of... The guy is behind Eurovision, if you will. Yeah. The ESC is the actual Eurovision Song Contest. There's a difference. (laughs) So, just a few weeks ago, we had the 67th Eurovision Song Contest. It landed in Liverpool after the UK somehow came second last year and were then roped into hosting because the winners, Ukraine, weren't really able to host because Russia... Check out our last episode, as I just said, for a full debrief on what happened at Liverpool 2023, because this is the deep dive into the politics of Eurovision. 
And during this, I'm basically going to be attempting to answer slash convince you, is Eurovision political? The answer might shock you. (laughs) So before we go any deeper, Kieran, what do you reckon some of the most common criticisms that are levelled towards Eurovision are? Um, So, like... So, it's a fix is one that I hear quite often. Um, it's a fix? Interesting, yeah. Which, it, which isn't so sure. political, but there's often, like... I think there's there's a lot of controversy that surrounds the, like, structure and organisation of Eurovision. Like, the Big Five getting their free... Well, not free pass. Their paid pass to the final <laughs> without competing in the semis. Um, yep. Whatever, whatever the split of jury versus telly vote is, always makes drama. Like, like this year, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'd say that the big underlying one is just like the participation of various countries and then their human yep. rights records. <laughs> that's the yeah. big one. That's that's actually really interesting. You bring up all of those because that is not what this list comprises of. Okay. So some of the oh. common criticisms of Eurovision are, of course, that it is political. Now, don't expand on this. It is just political. That is a criticism. Something being political okay. is something you can criticise. More on that later. There are also allegations that the event has become formulaic, which I think is fascinating, using elaborate lighting, pyrotechnics and extravagant theatrics to distract viewers from weak musical quality. Oh no, that is absolutely absurd. Beyonce cracked the lasers out. (laughs) Beyonce cracked the lasers (laughs) out last week and it was absolutely incredible, but take them away and Beyonce is still Beyonce. Oh my goodness. And the final common criticism is that countries will vote for their neighbours regardless of song quality. So again, coming back to this common theme mm-hmm. of music quality. Ugh. Yeah. I, fascinating. I don't buy that, the whole idea of music quality. There was one year for Eurovision. I can't remember what it was. And I really want to like, you know, like dive through the records to try and find it. Mm. It was this pop girl trio. Uh, I think it was like Azerbaijan or some country like that, like more mm. Eastern. And they had the trashiest song ever. They they didn't hit the notes. They were dressed like, like it was that backcombed, messy hair. And I absolutely loved it. It was great. There's no such thing as music quality. Well, there is if I made it, but I agree. Um, there's just me going la 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 on the stage for three minutes and fifty nine seconds, and then I break all the Eurovision rules, and they're just like, "Music quality's gone through the roof this year because of me." Um, but yeah, those are the that, those are the common criticisms listed here. Nothing about like certain countries' participation, etc., etc. Okay, so. Coming back to this theme of politics, is Eurovision political? With an instant yes or no, what do you say, Kieran? Yes. Interesting. We'll come back to that. So according to the EBU, remember EBU, Eurovision, no, European Broadcasting Union, (laughs) the ESC, Eurovision Conference, is a non-political event. 
all participating broadcasters, including the host broadcaster, shall be responsible to ensure that all necessary measures are undertaken within their respective delegations and teams to safeguard the interests and the integrity of the ESC and to make sure that the ESC shall not shall in no case be politicised and or instrumentalised and or otherwise brought into disrepute in any way. Oh, that's quite strong wording. That's loaded. That's loaded. Isn't it just? Because they they had that like list of three, politicise and then the other one and then or in any other way bring the ESC into disrepute. But like, for example, if, if there's a country that's pushing the gaze off of rooftops... And mm. and you don't and another country makes a statement about that in their song saying it's wrong. That's a political statement. But for the Eurovision Song Contest to allow that country with the, you know, pushing gays off rooftops to participate, that brings the European uh, the Eurovision Song Contest into disrepute, in my opinion. Karen, 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 Karen. Listen to the host of the 2015 contest, though. Our motto is building bridges and music should stand over politics tonight. You've got to remember that. <sighs> music should stand over politics tonight. Ah, uh, okay. It's a baffling stance, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. It's a similar line to the BBC being non-biased, a feat you just can never achieve. Yeah. With complex beings and choosing neutrality isn't like the secret third thing that people seem to think it is. It's a tightrope that you're walking exactly. between being a political event, and by apolitical, I mean apolitical in that there's no politics, yeah. and what politics you do and don't allow. Personally, I think acknowledging countries existing in the first place is quite political because mm, yeah. you know countries are socially constructed they're not some natural thing the dinosaurs had they weren't <laughs> wandering around pandir or whatever going oh this will be america in a couple of years or whatever that's not a that's not their social constructs <laughs> yeah. they're wiggly lines some country on a map several thousand years ago at some point in the past it's a yeah. political thing in itself so i find their argument here baffling also like you know you say you say the wiggly lines but then, like, you go onto the America state map and there are loads <laughs> of perfectly straight lines because because no one even America's made them. Because America's straight. <laughs> no, because they, like, didn't God-loving even... God-loving Americans. They didn't even, like, make the border. It's just some impassable, largely impassable area of land. And they're like, all right, we'll put it there then. You know, that's how, like, constructed it is, even. Like, it's it's... I crossed the border into Scotland last week, and uh, breaking news, nothing happened. I didn't notice. I just suddenly looked at my map and went, ooh, new country. <laughs> so for anyone that needs a bit more convincing, shall we talk about Russia? Ooh, oh, okay. Let's go. In February 2022, Russia did an invasion on Ukraine. Initially, the EBU stated that as a non-political culture event, Russia would still be allowed to participate <laughs> in the 2022 contest. Fucking hell. This all changed in the space of a day <laughs> after pressure from fans, artists and members of the EBU. There was nine in total that asked the EBU to ban Russia from participating. Who do you reckon was on the list of nine? Okay, so I have two that I'm like confident in. Mm-hmm. Ukraine and UK. 
Ukraine, you are correct. UK, of course they didn't. What? That's <laughs> no. That's the UK wild is not on this list because Boris Johnson was like trying to trying to be, you know, like you know, the savior, and like he was probably too busy trying to be the savior. They did not. Well, I'm asked. Well, I mean, it's not that I. It's not that I hold the UK as a country in high regard, but I just thought, given <laughs> the political landscape at the time, I thought that. Thought that we would have. Okay. Um, and then I just wrote down seven more based on, like, guessing. Perfect. Go. So, let's see how many you get. I'll ding you. Okay. Germany. Nope. Finland. <laughs> Woo, First yay! One. Well, second after you. <laughs> Sweden. <laughs> yay! Lithuania. Yes. <gasps> Latvia. No. Oh. Bulgaria. No. Poland. No. Oh, that was quite a poor effort, wasn't it? <laughs> I know. I, 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 when I saw the list, I was like, no, actually, this makes sense. So the, uh, the nine were Ukraine, Sweden, Norway, Netherlands, Lithuania, Iceland, Finland, Estonia, and Denmark. Ah, so it's Feels all like the... the usual suspects. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you look at it like that. Interestingly, okay. none of the big five. <gasps> Very interesting. Uh, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so the day after, they did indeed ban Russia. This, I think, actually reveals way more about the EBU's politics than they realise, especially in the statement they made the day after Russia invaded Ukraine. So I'm going to put on my best EBU voice. (laughs) The decision reflects concern that in light of the unprecedented crisis in Ukraine, the inclusion of the Russian entry in this year's contest would bring the competition into disrepute. Before making this decision, the EBU took time to consult widely among its membership. Uh, The EBU is an apolitical member organisation of broadcasters committed to upholding the values of public service. We remain dedicated to protecting the values of a cultural competition which promotes international exchange and understanding brings audiences together celebrates diversity through music and unites europe on one stage unprecedented <sighs> crisis in ukraine is certainly one way of wording that a fucking attack an invasion very much makes it sound like a domestic issue between russia and ukraine makes it sound like there was like an an earthquake or something you know it's an unprecedented crisis Karen. Yeah. I, the crisis being Russia fucking invaded, but still. Every sentence of that like made my head, my, my brain just did like a 360 spin. Every sentence, it was like, fume, 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 because I, I, I just had way too many thoughts and feelings then. Oh, my goodness. That was that mm. was so, you know, I, the, the one thing that I remember from my whirlwind of thoughts was like politics <laughs> of silence. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like. You're choosing politically. Oh yeah, and then and then like we we took time to consult yesterday. You said the opposite to this. What do you mean? You didn't. You like, said the opposite, and then we're immediately like, oh shit. Some people were like quite mad at us, so we should probably consult everyone. And oh wow, this is like the would you know? This is like the Donald Trump philosophy of politics, isn't it? <laughs> it's just like oh no, that didn't happen. No, it didn't. Trust me. You know, like no, it it did happen. Like what I. Oh, my goodness. Okay. The EBU is an apolitical member organisation of broadcasters. Remember that. It's just like, to me, it's like you made a political... There's not... 
there's no apolitical decision to be made in that situation, you know? You, like, choose to leave Russia in, and that's saying something. Or you choose to remove them, and that's saying something. Like, it, it, you, you can't stay neutral. You could disband the contest, and it would well, still be saying something. Exactly. Yeah. It, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Unprecedented as well could also be used to describe not banning the UK and Poland for the 2003 America-led invasion of Iraq, or maybe Israel. They're there each year, despite the ongoing assault on Gaza and the raids on Palestinian towns in the West Bank. In fact, let's talk about Israel, because it's very relevant in the apoliticalness nature <laughs> of the EBU. In his coming out video, YouTube video essay guy, John the Duncan, uh, described his first Pride. While we were at the main London Pride event, and I was fine with the cues, I could cope with the corporatism, I had a water bottle filled with gin. But suddenly, after some music and some marriage proposals and generally good vibes, it was announced to, to raucous cheers that Israeli Eurovision star and supposed queer icon Netta was to take the stage. And, and in this mass of cheers, this new and exciting part of me slammed headfirst into the complex and sometimes ugly reality of queer instrumentalisation and white supremacy. It is an incredible Ooh. video and it will be linked in the show notes as with everything that I'm citing and playing clips from during this episode. But John isn't alone in this. If you're queer and online at all, you have probably seen the adverts where you've got two young queer coded people who want to introduce you to the most amazing destinations in the world, <laughs> Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Have you seen these ads, Kieran? Yeah, I actually have once or twice, yeah. I can't remember if it was Instagram or Facebook, but yeah, they found me. They, they oh, called they me out. They found my YouTube, they found my everything, and every single time I've reported them, they just came back. Oh, you reported them. I always report ad I think that I think they're on to me, so it might be because I just report all adverts as inappropriate because it goes against <laughs> my, my ethics as a leftist, but <laughs> I think they might have cottoned on that I just don't want to see ads and so they just don't take my report seriously, which is probably gonna bite me on the arse at some point. Damn. But yeah. Those adverts are everywhere and pretty good example of a term called pinkwashing, which is a twist on greenwashing where companies pretend to be way more environmentally friendly than they are. Pinkwashing is the sort of LGBT version of this. It's basically where Tesco turn up to your local pride while still profiting from insane price hikes in foods and stuff and paying staff as little as they possibly can. Or, I don't know, weapons manufacturer BAE Systems starting an advertising campaign on the queer radio station you volunteered for in Minecraft. Definitely didn't happen to me. Oh. Oh. Ooh. What are your feelings on pinkwashing here? Uh, it's just, it's just irritating. It's, it, it's annoying because I think it, it, it's a complex one. Like mm. fundamentally, I would say it's bad. <laughs> when, when I was younger, though, it was, it was still nice to like just see everything be so like rainbowy and, and, mm. and gayer. For, for a month you, you get what I mean and like as I've grown up I'm more like oh this is just like 
a capitalist tactic to like mm-hmm. virtue signal something that you don't believe in so strongly um yeah like and especially and especially like now you know now that the anti lgbt movement seems to be like gaining traction which is something i never thought i would fucking say in my lifetime um like with the bud light campaign and and who was it there was there were other ones was it was it nike oh, nike didn't yeah they had a trans model didn't they dylan mulvaney mm. and then and then they took it back they were like oh we're sorry for working with this person it's like like we're actually oh, st- no. like they're, they're like they like try a pink wash but now they're even stripping the paint after you know it's like oh um well yeah they'll i mean i bought it was birmingham pride um the weekend that we've recorded this uh just gone and i was in town and like you could see the shops that had gone all out and you could also see the shops that were just like blue tacked one pride flag <laughs> on their door so they can be like look yeah I... look come buy your vitamins from holland and barrett oh or yeah something to that effect yeah no we don't have a pride range but we'll slap the flag on <laughs> yeah i mean even the pride ranges when you think about it though abysmal that's kind of like pink washing isn't it in a sense. i used to be so in like the camp of this is good because it's progressive and like gives light to our community i'm now in the complete opposite camp i think it's dangerous and damaging and i just don't think it's good for the world um yeah and that's partly because of the mobilization of the um the opposite side because how this sort of works especially in my mind having worked in media and stuff like Uh let's take let's take fucking news corp as our example here news corp funds some horrific far-right media shit in this country including talk radio slash talk tv that platforms the likes of julia hartley brewer and pierce morgan they also every year run a pride pop-up station called virgin radio pride which i think is fascinating considering it is the same parent company profiting from both sides of a culture war that's why i'm so against pinkwashing and rainbow capitalism is because all the money still flows if there's an argument happening it's going to be on the media and they're the ones making money from the clicks and the views and the same can go for everything wherever there's a rainbow flag there's a bigger with tiktok ready to film that and get loads of outrage clicks it's just a big ecosystem of hate, and I hate and it. And the more the hate grows, it's like the hate is the new currency. It's like yep. you grow the hate, you grow the money. I, I can't stand Fuck. pinkwashing. It's like one of the absolute worst things on this planet. Oh, goodness. <sighs> but yeah, here I need to actually introduce you to a new term, Ooh. which is sort of adjacent to pinkwashing. At least from my understanding of this, and I must stress that I don't speak fluent academic, <laughs> and there seems to be disagreement in academic circles, and it just hurt my brain when I was trying to understand it. So here is a very basic understanding of the adjacent term to pinkwashing, and that is homo-nationalism. Ooh. And from my understanding, this is more in line with what Israel is doing. So where we were talking about pinkwashing and you know like virgin radio pride okay and then over on the other channel you've got pierce morgan saying hard r slurs every second homo nationalism is where a country will use its acceptance of the gays the queers the transes in occasion to justify other horrific shit like 
racism, xenophobia, apophobia, which is rejection of the poor, which I didn't know. Oh. It builds or attempts to appear like they're building queer rights into their national identity as a way to justify things like Islamophobia. It's basically your favourite homophobe telling you you're safer in the UK than insert country name here, where they throw gays off buildings or something, uh-huh. but on like a countrywide ideological level. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Take Sweden in 2016, actually, whilst hosting the contest after Man Zalmalo won in 2015. The third biggest party in Sweden's parliament was a far-right one who had a member organising pride parades in immigrant neighbourhoods in an attempt to paint immigrants as inherently homophobic and therefore a <gasps> threat to queer Swedes using... It's the far right using homo-nationalism to demonise immigrants. So whilst we are also the target of the far right, they can use queer people as a tool to hate on immigrants and people of colour and... Oh my god. It's so dark. It's like it's it's like making me think of like, you know, like like I've forgotten what they were called, but like it was something like gays for Trump or something. You know, oh my like, god no. You know, like it's always Wasn't it twinks for Trump. Oh god. It's always it's always like they're always white. They're they're always cisgender and they're always Yeah, yeah, and then it's like gays for Trump or something like that. And it's yeah. like it's always Part you of assimilating queer people into <sighs> the sort of the, the mainstream narrative yeah means that they can then use it as a tool to oppress again yeah which i'm so fucking mad about that it's being done in the name of like queer people like in sweden like oh fuck off oh, it, so yeah, yeah israel they hosted eurovision in the recent past 2019 <sighs> Uh, It's a great case study this year, this particular Eurovision is, because as Verily Bitchy describes in the video essay, The Queer Politics of Eurovision. During Israel's postcards for each song, they showed footage of Israel, but sometimes illegally occupied land, which, under international law, is not recognised as being part of Israel. The United Nations has suggested that Israeli settlements in occupied territories should be considered a war crime. So the show was literally using the tourism branding of Eurovision to tell the world, hey, this land belongs to us. Please, gays, come spend your holiday money here. We have Grinder. A certain app that is on fire right now because of all the handsome tourists in Tel Aviv. In fact, when Israel won the previous year, there had been hopes to host Eurovision in Jerusalem. Except Jerusalem is a contested city, also claimed by Palestine. To host in Jerusalem would have been a bold political move. So I guess they just settled for bold political postcards instead. Which makes sense, because those postcards serve as tourism ads for Israel. And Israel was already listing Airbnb and other tourist services in their illegally occupied territories. Did you know much of that? (laughs) No, no I didn't. My mouth almost hit the floor. So again, a link to that incredible video is in the show notes. These postcards, the ad campaigns for Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, I'd argue come more under homo-nationalism. I'd argue come under homo-nationalism rather than pinkwashing, which isn't great for Palestinians, especially queer Palestinians. Instead, trying to cast Israel as the saviours of queer Palestinians from homophobic Palestinians. And my head just does an error 404 on a human level whenever I try to think about this because, ah, hurts the brain. Yeah. But back to Eurovision. Pride flags, they're allowed, but Palestinian flags, they're not. 
that's how things were when Israel hosted the contest in 2019 Ugh. after Netta won in 2018. One thing I do vividly remember from watching that year was one of the acts holding up a flag when the camera cut to them. Yes. It turns out this was a pretty big deal, so much so that it has a whole section on the Wikipedia for that year's contest. Uh, wow. This was Iceland's entry that year called Hatari. They are a self-described anti-capitalist group. We have to stand them on this podcast. Apparently, the EBU was so worried about them beforehand, they had to warn them not to make any statements because they had a history of doing this stuff. (laughs) And the group completely ignored that (laughs) and was seen showing the banners that included the Palestinian flag when they received their televote points. Later, the Icelandic broadcaster was handed a €5,000 fine for this incident and they were edited out of the DVD release of the 2019 contest, but they did remain on the YouTube replay of the final. Uh, to what extent were they edited out? Just they, It just, just doesn't exist. <laughs> wait, uh, as in the shot of the flag or like the whole performance? That I don't know for sure. I believe it's the shot of the flag. Okay. I don't think it was the performance. I think it's just the flag. I, I was thinking that would be really fucking savage. <laughs> yeah, we'll like, just yeah. You you didn't. We'll just participate. cut our entire performance. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, okay. I don't think they did that. Oh, but okay. I actually don't know. I don't have the DVD edition of the 2019 <laughs> contest. I didn't know they made one. Actually. I think they do for every year. Well, wow. so Liverpool probably has a load in their tourist shops right now. <laughs> Madonna was randomly an interval performance that year and her dancers, they had one with an Israeli flag on their back and one with a Palestinian flag on their back, holding hands. She was also cut from the DVD release, but not fined. She just got a strong telling off from the EBU, but they did cut her entire performance. Oh... Like, wow. it actually says, there's a picture of the small print on the box, and it says, does not include Madonna oh, interval. Oh, oh, my goodness. So she's just gone from that. I don't know whether that was prearranged as, like, a licensing thing beforehand, but no, she was just not part of that. And I don't know whether that's specifically because of that, but part of me thinks it could be. I mean, she's probably grateful, to be honest. Do you remember that vocal performance? No, I don't. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and it haunts your dreams. <laughs> Just like colonisation. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I could go on for hours about Israel. I find it fascinating. But instead, I want to direct you to one of my many sources in the show notes, which is a great site called decolonisepalestine.com. Oh. It's got some incredible myth-busting tons of information with some really nice artwork to help you understand the situation. And something I do want to say, though is if you're at all interested in learning more, is just be so careful not to fall into any anti-Semitic conspiracies whilst you're down there, because alongside genuine criticism of Israel, you often find it's paired with some horrific anti-Semitic shit. And that's just so annoying when you you just think, oh, I'm just reading this critique, and then suddenly it's a hard turn. Oh, God. So just make sure you're very aware of any anti-Semitic conspiracies that could come up when researching your genuine criticisms of Israel, because they're not above criticism, believe me. Yeah. Yeah. So if I've still not managed to make enough of a case for Eurovision being blatantly political yet, let's move on to voting. Oh, okay. (laughs) The voting process has also been described as, surprise, political. 
<laughs> with the perception that countries will give more points more frequently to other countries based on political relationships. Numerous studies have actually been done into this, and they found that clusters and cliques tend to form, creating what is called a voting block. In plain English, this means rather than just outright political relationships influencing these countries, it's more their shared music tastes, cultural links, references, and higher degrees of similarity in languages. And then they ah. therefore appreciate and vote for countries that they have more things in common with. I've also heard this be described as neighbourhood voting, but that didn't appear anywhere in my research, so I have no okay. basis for where that has come from, <laughs> but I have heard it be called that before. Kieran, did you know much about the uh, voting block phenomenon, as I'm calling it? Yeah, I mean, I've heard of, like, Greece and Cyprus. I think that's the one everyone knows, isn't it? That they... they haven't even come up in my research. <laughs> oh, that's the one. I think Cyprus, I think the the idea is they always give each other 12 points. Oh, why wow, do they? I, I, I genuinely like didn't know. Uh, no, nobody sue me or anything. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I think I've heard of that one. I've heard of, in general, the idea that, yeah, countries will like reciprocate votes for each other. And it might oh, okay. not be about and it might not be about the music. I think that <laughs> leans into what I said about said at the beginning about like, oh, it's a fix, you know? Yeah. I think okay, it leans yeah. into that whole like idea or criticism of eurovision yeah I, I get you well in actuality the voting block sort of phenomenon as i'm calling it gained the most criticism around the mid 2000s because uh -huh. of perceived voting biases particularly in 2007 where Eastern European countries occupied the top 15 places in the final and uh -huh. dominated the qualifying places. If this is starting to sound a little bit white supremacist, it's going to get so much worse. Oh, goodness. Okay. Okay. History time! When Eurovision first started in 1956, it was all Western Europe anyway. They just blanked the East completely. When Eastern Europe asked if they wanted to make a joint contest, the EBU was like, nah, make your own. Uh, so they fucking did. Wait, what? Let yeah. me introduce you to what is described as the communist equivalent to the Eurovision Song Contest, Intervision, which had a run between 1965 and 1968, again in 1977 to 1980, and then even in 2008. <gasps> an annual Soviet bloc song parade, which grew much more popular than Eurovision at the time. I believe this was the 70s reincarnation of it. Um, plus, to make it more attractive and to prove to the West that the East was beyond progressive, the contest was also open to all countries in the world, regardless of their political regime. Even Canada had a go in 1978. <laughs> Okay, well, so they wanted to so, do, like, the international. Oh, that's why it's intervision, isn't it? Welcome to intervision. Because it's, like, international. Something I had no fucking idea about until this. Wow. This... Okay. Yeah. Like, no, I didn't know. It was only after the fall of the Berlin Wall when Eastern Europe countries were actually allowed into Eurovision for the first time and took it surprise surprise way more seriously than the west and so guess ah. what happened they started to win 
yeah. just a few times. Poor performances from entries from more traditional European countries, read Western ones, started to be discussed in various European parliaments and is cited <laughs> amongst one of the many reasons Terry Rogan decided to resign as the UK commentator. commentator. What? You, wow. Okay. It's not a huge loss for anyone considering he's the one that called Conchita a freak show. Yeah, and look who's dead now, Terry. Not Conchita. <laughs> Responding to criticism, the EBU introduced a second semi-final in 2008, with countries split on geographic proximity and voting history. Then they added juries of music professionals being reintroduced in 2009 in an effort to reduce the impacts of block voting. So the juries were re-added to Eurovision because of a perceived bias towards Eastern Europe after Western Europe basically had a tantrum over it couldn't have been the eastern europe were taking it a bit more seriously or just had better music or was that too bad for the oh, narrative I, do we think oh i had no uh, no idea about this so i've basically just believed this completely like toxic <laughs> crap this whole time i had no idea about any of this either so um, oh my goodness the first time that germany never made it for a semi-final the organizers of eurovision had a little panic about the countries paying the most for the contest not getting through and so guess what they did? Mm, way. They only went and introduced the big four. <sighs> so it's all part of the same story, this bit. Like, it really yeah. is, like, like A to B to C to D. Like, oh, okay. Oh, mm. <laughs> I've read way too much into this already, so I don't really understand the big four, but it's, it was the big five, then big four, then big five again. I don't know. It basically ensured that the five big Western European countries that paid the most for the contest got an automatic place in the final, which seems fair. Um, but it, I think actually this might have been a bit of a disadvantage for them in the end because people yeah. sort of make their minds up at the semifinals as to which song they're supporting. And, I definitely And by did. the final, they don't really give a shit about the... Uh, <laughs> the one act that's like new like france just comes out with a ballad and you're just like what's this oh yeah yeah wow i think for me the big five confirms it that eurovision is fucking political yeah i would agree and that it's not possible not to be political i mean if you literally like invented the big five basically to prevent germany getting upset and leave it yeah and 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 also yeah i mean i guess you kind of touch on it with that point but to say it more explicitly like it's political because there's money involved oh yeah like, i think it's really interesting actually how the big 5 is a reflection of how wealth gives people advantage under capitalism yeah. and then that not playing out how capitalists like to imagine it though because the art that they send is shit and then they can't commercialise on it. And they're all like, oh, we're always so bad. But you send the likes of, I don't know, I'm not going to name any of the UK entries, actually, because they were pretty good. But, like, hmm. it's not good. Yeah, no. And that's so that's so strange that, like, the jury is, is effectively another, it's just an attempt to rig it then, basically, in favour of Western Europe, in yeah, theory. The whole project is essentially trying to assimilate the sort of what's seen as uncultured east into the cultured west so it's very white supremacist in that it wants to like normalize like 
Western values and whatnot. You know and that's what, where uh, homo nationalism comes into it. Because look at all the pride flags that you're allowed to bring, but you're not allowed to bring the flag the flag of Palestine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to raise a point about that actually as well. It's like so, so with ho- with respect to homo nationalism, it kept on fl- fluttering out of my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was. <sighs> It's kind of interesting because if you look at the timeline with in general in the West with which different groups of people got rights, mm. like the L, I shouldn't even really say the T at this point, should I? Because you you're all you're all having such a horrible time with it at the minute. Uh, but like gay people got rights like most recently in the West mm. in general. And part of me thinks, especially with homo-nationalism from, like, countries outside of it, like, or from, like, the perspective of countries that are doing bad things, trying to signal to the world, look, we're great, like, mm. like Israel. Mm. Is it possible that they're just, like, try, they're like, okay, so the gays got their rights most recently, so we're going to give the gays their rights, and now we look so progressive, because we did the most recent thing. So we've we've done everything before, you know, because we've done the most recent thing. Oh, but we're also an apartheid state, but we're not going to linger on that point too much. You, do you get me? Yeah, it is. It, it is it's very homo-nationalist. It's very like, <sighs> look, we did the good thing that you've all done progressively over the last couple, few years or whatever, and uh, questionably are trying to backtrack on a lot of it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, look at the UK's index in, like, global leaders for LGBT equality. Like, oh, we're goodness. just falling down. It's also it's also so strange to me. Uh, you're, you're a relative newcomer to Eurovision, we discussed last time. But you've been yep. watching for a few years, haven't you? What year did you yep, start? 2015. Yeah, so... Yeah, so, I mean, you're not a newcomer anymore, no. Um, but it's like, can you imagine Eurovision without Eastern Europe? Oh, no, I'm not sure I want to. Like, no, I, that's the best bit. <laughs> yeah, because they, they had the real, like, camp flair and the and the really different styles of singing and so on and i I really love that actually yeah verily bitchy's essay on the queer politics of eurovision uh focuses on how many of the eastern countries as well were the first to send drag acts i think ukraine and somewhere else they were like some of the first countries sending like very apparently queer acts and yet the west is still seen as the progressive model to shape your society after using us it's all, all as a weapon fucking white supremacy again and again and Goodness. i hate it so my That's conclusion funny. for this was the only reason i actually really care for eurovision is because of the art the art from cultures and societies that i don't normally get exposed to the camp silliness of it all that's what I am there for. Competition isn't really a motivator for me. Call me autistic, because I am, but it just doesn't motivate me. It's just there in the background. I don't really give a shit who wins. Yeah. It kind of reflects my politics, too, because I hate competition. I think it's stupid. And there go, I hate capitalism. The bigger issue I take with Eurovision is this pretending to be apolitical and where that leads. How, from like a finance perspective... It is like countries using this art to fight for a big tourist boom and a free advert broadcast to God knows how many channels worldwide and all the ethics behind that because capitalism, she works in mysterious ways. And this is just a manifestation of that. I like 
art that makes me think. I like art that makes me feel and advocates for real fucking change. Not just neoliberal thoughts and prayers, unity, peace, peace, love, love, blah, blah. Continue with the status quo now, please. Eurovision has the platform and the potential to be so much more than this. I just wish it would stop with this apolitical bullshit. That is my peace. And thank you for coming to this TED Talk. Woo! <laughs> Round of applause. There you go. Now we can now we can talk. Okay. What do you think? That is that is <laughs> that is my Eurovision episode. I I have so many sources linked under this. Uh, <laughs> my god. I, I would say yeah, Eurovision is political. I think it comes from an inevitably political basis where it's financial, mm. you know, it costs money to put this thing on. So inevitably like there's gonna yeah and then that leads to the big four or big five that's political Mm. people can vote in political ways i mean we've seen that happen a couple times not (laughs) in the ways you discussed in this episode but it's just like yeah when you have a list of countries participating like who decides what and and (laughs) and how and who and when not and And it is just inherently political. And then there's always one country, and I'm not against it, but there's always one country that tries to, like, get close to the line of what the EBU says is acceptable. But even just, like, Turkey withdrawing because of the the lesbian kiss. Or, like, they did... Well, they didn't say it was because of the lesbian kiss, but when they turned... When they stopped the broadcast or whatever during the Eurovision Song Contest when the kiss happened or the performance, then it's, like... I mean, it's kind of obvious what's going on, isn't it? Again, I want to point everyone in the direction of Verily Bitchy's video essay, The Queer Politics of Eurovision, because stuff like this does come up in that video, and it is so good. And I want to make sure that the credit is to all these amazing researchers that did way more research than I ever could uh, for their pieces of work on this. But yeah, no, it's a, a yeah, I, I, I never really, I, I never knew that Eastern Europe was like excluded so aggressively. And I, Yeah, I didn't actually. I thought like, because the impression I got the first year I watched was like, wow. They really are putting politics to the side and just having a good time. <laughs> yeah. But um, wow, they really aren't. Um, yikes. And that the big five is like a mechanism effectively. And the jury is a, another mechanism for Western Europe mm. to do. So Also, do I just well. want to put it out there. Intervision has a wildly better logo than Eurovision. Oh, really? Oh, I'm going to Google it now. I want to see. Ooh. But the Wikipedia page has the uh, logo. It's very, like, sci-fi. I like it. Oh, like yeah. It. it looks like a comms badge or something. Yeah, yeah, it's very Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And look at all those countries, some that no longer exist, oh. that uh, participated. Um, Ukraine's in there, Switzerland, Spain, uh, Netherlands, Latvia, Cuba, Wait, Canada, even Belgium. Oh, Spain even did it. Yeah. Wait, was wait was Spain <laughs> not I mean. was Spain not Western? You, I'm so confused. They invited everyone, remember? Oh, so like you could do both as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, this looks this looks fun. <laughs> oh my god, I, I've really I've I've only found little bits of footage, but yeah, it looks really fun. <laughs> wow. They should bring it back. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I also recommend like just spending a good hour or so on decolonizedpalestine.com. Yep. It is. One of the best resources I've ever found to 
calmly explain everything rather than just like little bits here and there it's just there's so much detail and so much nuance it's great yeah i should give that a read way oh my goodness i just had a brainwave pride itself in the west mm-hmm. is homo nationalism because mm. especially with what well not everyone participating participate participating in it what, what the fuck <laughs> participating in it but like we're participating again <laughs> but but like with with these new laws that are so anti-protest from the tory government but mm-hmm. all of the pride parades are still allowed why because it's like assimilated into the western capitalist form of pride and it's using well, yeah because you can't ban bae systems from marching with pride alongside tesco and nat west yeah it's it's like yeah. they have a right to be out there fighting for their gay employees in their little like tight branded corporate t-shirts like they've effectively like d i don't know like they've taken the they've taken well, they've taken the protest out of the yeah protest. they've taken the protest out of the protest and now we're allowed it because it's this vanilla-fied version Wow. No kink at pride, besties. Oh, I, th- <laughs> I want to see none of your pups. I Oh, my goodness. I think I'm just going to... If I see one leather pony, I will nuke <laughs> you all. I'm just going to see everything and think homo-nationalism now and just, like, consider it. It's such a good <sighs> word. And I know there's, like, so much more around that word that people like to fight about and academics are like, ah! But, yeah, I, I, like, I think it's a great Wait, word. Wait, is there heteronationalism then? Not that I, not from what I understand it. I think more of it comes from like, does this just come under pink washing? Uh, and like, it's academics being academics here. Okay, I'm very bad at reading and understanding academic works at the best of times. I've had to do my best for this. Um, and when I started to see like criticisms of homo nationalism as a way to describe certain things, I was just like, oh my god, my brain <laughs> broken. So I kind of had to skip that over. Um, yeah, but I am. As always, as with most people on the left, open to like my love of this new word that I've discovered being completely destroyed by some nice nuanced argument yeah. um, that just hasn't been put in a way that my human brain understands it yet. Um, I was just wondering if so, there was yeah. like heteronationalism because then I was imagining like telling a straight person that they're heteronationalist, and then they're like, "I'm not, ga- <laughs> I'm not gay," you know? Because <laughs> they're, <laughs> are you heterosexual? <laughs> no. Like yeah, I was just yeah, I was just thinking about doing. I that. think I think it very much describes the like thinking of like especially like transphobes at the moment, and how they use like especially gay transphobes and how they oh. sort of like we love the king. Oh, <laughs> we yeah. stand Petty Mordaunt and her fucking sword. Oh no, I was not here for that. That oh my goodness. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to say on the topic of our deep dive? I guess I would just close it out by saying saying like like holy shit, wow. <laughs> that's shocking <laughs> that's all i have to say I'm, gla- I'm glad that it came across well because i was really worried that i hadn't like written it right and i i rewrote this five times in total god it was not in this order to begin with it was in a very jaggedy way <laughs> and then and then i included some stuff and then i unincluded some stuff and then oh it was such a lot <laughs> it's time to enter the music room then Woo! Who? oh i'll let you start because my voice hurts okay oh yeah of course too much deep diving. Um, oh, tell me about it. <laughs> um, so my first music recommendation for the month, I actually added it, added it onto my list for this month's 
music recommendations on May 6th or so. And it came out May 26th. But I just heard the snippet on Instagram and I was like, I'm going to fucking love this. I know I'm going to recommend (laughs) it. So I put it on anyway. And then I listened to the full song and I was like, yeah, I was right. Uh, So it's George Redwood, 15. Uh, It's just it's just this joyous, upbeat, fun song, kind of like rock leaning, but kind of like trap rock. I, I don't think oh trap, trap rock. rock I hello no you know like it's got the like hip hop like drums but the more like modern contemporary trap drums but then oh, electric is... guitars <laughs> I, I just started listening to it in the background yeah the first thing that came into my mind was Keith Urban oh really oh the one he did with what was it Casey Musgraves oh I didn't listen. I'm not big on love Casey. I'm not big on Keith Urban or or, or Casey. Yeah. Or the no Carrie Underwood maybe. I can't remember which song he did, <laughs> but it's given me it's definitely given me a little bit of Keith Urban in there. Uh-huh. But it's good. Yeah, I'm a fan of it. <laughs> I think I think the Keith Urban thing would have hit a lot better if you knew who he was. I I is doesn't he judge one of those shows? I don't know, but like he's a country singer. The voice or something, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't think he does our voice. He's American. Oh, no, the American voice, I mean, yeah. Or American. Oh, they have one. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, they had it before us. We took it from God. them. That's why we have the voice UK. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I, I knew he was a country singer, but I just haven't I listened. <laughs> My first pick is a bit random. Um, this is from another YouTube video essayist. I have all the links to all the YouTube video essayists. Um, who always finishes her videos off with a song. She's very talented like that. Uh-huh. Um, and I recently rediscovered uh, one of her videos and was like, I need to listen to this. So I downloaded the song, like recorded it onto my computer, <laughs> put it on my phone oh before my realizing goodness. she uploads all these to streaming platforms anyway. <laughs> and I've had this on repeat for like a week now. It's from her video on Gary V, the youth pastor of capitalism. Gary V isn't successful because he hustled hard. Gary V is successful because he's Gary V. And not everyone is Gary V. And thank fuck for that. <laughs> the lyrics of this particular song from this video are great and I feel like very in line with the politics of this podcast. I, I liked it. It wasn't so much my genre style, but I enjoyed, <laughs> yeah, I I enjoyed it. Not be. Um, and, uh, and I'm not even sure if I want to say the first lyric in case anyone goes to watch it uh, listen to it but like the first lyric i was like oh okay i'm listening oh my goodness i was like whoa here we go <laughs> like like i had a lot of fun with the beginning <laughs> yeah i i like the whole lyrics i thought oh so the lyrics it's called good, unionize yeah. it's by Mooncat, spelt with a u with two parentheses on top of the umlaut that should be easy enough to find It's an umlaut because it's German, you see. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, hello, German. Yeah, German knowledge comes through. Yes. (laughs) Mooncat with an umlaut. (laughs) I'm still not certain how you pronounce it, though. So let's move on quickly. (laughs) Well, she pronounces it Mooncat. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, Mooncat unionized. That's my first suggestion for the music room this week. It will be on our playlist. Woohoo! Um, so my second one is Lavender Boy's new song, "Like I Wanted." Uh, it's it's called "Like I Wanted." I I feel like that sounded really weird. Like it was the sentence, 
It's it's Lavender Boy's next single, Like I Wanted. Like I Wanted It To Be... Do you get me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do hear it. Oh, my goodness. Who's I got... Lavender Boy? Um, uh, I, I don't really know much about their work, but I've, I think I've heard a couple things. They have a couple of successful songs like... Uh, yeah, I can't. No, this is so this is so up my street. I love it. Yeah, but I I really like it. It's it's like so eighties tinged and just like yes emotive and it's very like it's just very subtle and it's quite sparse production and yeah, but beautiful. Yeah, I agree. I like this a lot. This is really nice. Yeah. So my next choice is from Ryan Beatty. Track is called. Andromeda. If you've been around a while, you're probably aware of Ryan's work. He seems to be quite notorious, especially among circles of other artists. Oh. It's like one of those figures who's like beloved and like inspired loads of amazing queer artists who like, and he gets so many streams, but still remains under the radar somehow. I love wow. this guy. He's been under my radar for a while now and sort of like the background, but his new album, uh, Calicio is something else and his way with words in this particular song is just so genuinely beautiful that I tear up every time this comes on my playlist and the line about Andromeda the the the, the galaxy Andromeda the way it's spinning around out of control towards the Milky Way due to gravitation or what's in if I just oh it's just such beautiful lyrics and gorgeous production oh, alongside yeah. amazing vocals and I just Oh, I've added it to my meaningful playlist because it will never not make me cry. I th- I found it really beautiful when I listened. So so it's soothing so and and yeah the yeah his way with words like you said, like the lyrics yeah. were the so, gays just know oof. how to make music. I'm sorry yeah, they do. Exactly, I agree. <laughs> um, so for my third pick, I have Eve Westphal. Proud of me. Um, so it's an EP, but I'm recommending the song because I haven't had time to listen to the full EP yet. <laughs> um, it's it's just this like beautiful and understated song. Uh, like it grows very slowly, and it's the lyrics mm. I find so gorgeous. It's like a really poppy sounding song, but like the lyrics are like oddly time bending in ah. in this really beautiful way. And yeah, I I really like it. I'm I've got it in my headphones now, and yeah, I feel like when I listen to this properly, when it's on our playlist, this is gonna have the tears going. Yeah, I have a feeling. I don't know why. I think it could do. I I, I can it, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> my my next choice is Lova, pop star. Uh, her Oof. name's Lova. The track is called Pop Star. Now this is a certified bop straight out of Sweden. It's clearly a critique of the music industry's treatment of young artists in particular. Uh, Possibly also biographical. I can't quite tell from the lyrics, but that might just be me reading into things. But I think it might be about how she was treated. But either way, fucking incredible bop. Absolutely incredible. I love this one. I'm so happy you recommended it. It's giving, it's, so it's giving like Hannah Montana meets Katy Perry, but then make it sound like it was produced this year, like yes, like it's perfect. I love it. It's like taking everything oh. I love about like late noughties pop and bringing it to today. Like it's perfect. Yes. 
Yes. Oh. Yes, that's oh, that's such a better way of explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I love that one. Um, my next pick is Frantic and Jade Bennett Road Trip. Very easy listening and calm. And I think it's like a really pretty meaning behind it too, I think. So yeah, I like that one. <laughs> this is nice. Yeah. Did take me a second to find this one, actually. Um, there's another artist with the same exact name. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I was I was searching and I was like, I can't find one called Road Trip. <laughs> Different artist. Uh... At least they haven't lumped them together like they do sometimes when with smaller artists where it's like, this artist and this artist have the same name, so we put them together. Oh, and yeah. then you go through like a pop artist to like hardcore heavy metal. It's like, this is not one of their songs, is it? I'm surprised there aren't two sevenths, really. My penultimate choice for our playlist this month is from Oliver the Kid. I wasn't quite sure whether to include this one or not because I've always, like, I always have way too many and this is possibly the oldest, as in it was released right at the start of the month. This is called Ghost in the Lighthouse. I think it's gorgeous. It's from the former drummer of the band The Neighbourhood. Do you remember them? They no. did um Oh, what's the sweater weather, I think. Oh, I'll have to listen Massive afterwards. Massive a few years ago. Um, but he was kicked out of the band, as he says in this, this Instagram live. If you leave the band or you get kicked out, I got kicked out by Jesse. Are you cool with any of the guys? No, I mean, none of them have reached out to me. <laughs> In about five years. Seems like really bad treatment, Ouch. considering their singles went like platinum or whatever in like multiple countries for that song. Um, boo I, to that, but I love yeah. I love this song. I think it's gorgeous. I can't really describe what it's meant to be about, but I'm fairly sure it's written from my own point of view. So listen if you want to understand me a bit better, I guess. I, I love the lo-fi energy on that one. It's like very lo-fi adjacent. Yeah, I can I can dig a bit of loaf. Yeah. That's very much me. <laughs> yeah, I really like that one. So my final pick is Kesha's new album, Gag Order. Um, and my spotlight track is Peace and Quiet. Um, like, I love the original Kesha sound. Obviously, deeply tied to problematic shit there. Um, so, so this album just... What I love about it, like, as an album, is that it's really designed to be listened to as an album. It's one of those rare albums where it's really pulled off. And if you listen start to finish, it means so much more than listening to any one song on its own. I, I think... Oh, okay. I think she is so brave for making an album that, like, its emotional range for me is from, like, I'm feeling okay like like and i don't mean like okay i mean like uh uh-huh like i'm surviving like that's that's the emotional peak of the album it it ranges from like i hate my life to like i feel okay and i think that that's a really brave thing to do like like for you bearing your soul but also commercially because that's not going to do so well i guess to not have at least one happy moment on the album well also wasn't the like the label just not promoting it so perfect yep. place to put it is pop to it goes capitalist playlist yeah 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 <laughs> because, exactly um, 
Um, they don't seem to want to promote it. Yeah, and and the spotlight track "Peace and Quiet," I I love it because it does have a little sprinkling of the old vocoder or O tune Kesha, but the production is a lot more subtle and like sophisticated. So so mm. fuck you, Doctor Luke. <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> fuck you very very much. <laughs> Just gonna put it out Dr. there. Luke. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, Rick Rubin, it's not you slay. To say fuck you. Rick Rubin's amazing. That's the producer of this this album ah. along with Kesha. Yeah. We love to see it. Absolutely. I'm gonna have to listen to that start to finish now that you've said that because you convinced me. I need. To. I'll be excited um, to hear what you think of it. Me too. <laughs> And finally, the uh, final track on my one, my list, is uh, It's Yayan! I love Yayan. This track is new from him. It's called Alter. It feels like a song I've I've heard before, which is always good. It's like a familiar track somehow, despite having never heard it before. Uh, It's brand new. Been a fan of Yayan for years now, since he did all the EPs with different colours. Uh-huh. He did like a pink era, uh-huh. a blue era, and purple era, Rise Up. I loved that <laughs> era particularly. This song is just gorgeous. It's self-produced, it's got relatable lyrics on it, and on Instagram he said, if you're depressed, you will love this song. I am and I do, so 10 out of 10 <laughs> from me, no notes. I, I really liked it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really, really beautiful. Really, yeah. And again, the production was absolutely incredible. Absolutely oh, loved yeah. it. I can't. There was one lyric in particular where I was like, "Whoa!" I think it was it yeah. was the chorus lyric about like, "I know I'm not the only one at your altar." Was that it? Yeah. I was like, "Oh!" Yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's the lyric." Yes. Yeah, I really like. The gays it. are good at music. Yeah. They, yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> and that concludes uh, this episode of Pop Goes Capitalism. Woohoo! As ever, everything you need to know is in the show notes, the description, whatever you want to call it. It might be a bit busier this time around because I have so many things to put in there. <laughs> um, but the links uh, to the playlist on Apple Music and Spotify will be there as they always are. The playlist is called Pop Goes Capitalism's Playlist. It will be updated on the 1st of June, which is when all of these tracks uh, will be added to our ever-growing list of tracks. Um, There may be something slightly different, slightly new happening on Spotify at some point this month regarding the uh, music room particularly, but I won't won't say anything more because it's an experiment. (laughs) It might not work. But uh, I will let you know next month if that exists for you. And if you can't wait till then, follow me on Instagram at It's Jacob Edward. And I will share it there if and when it happens. Cool. (laughs) Do you have anything else you need to plug, Kieran, other than listen to Seventh's music? Listen Uh, loud, listen often? Yeah, listen to my music. Share it with everyone you know. Share it with everyone you don't know. Share it with anyone you'd like to know. Just play it out loud on the bus. Yep. Play it out loud on the bus. Um, Play it in the c- quiet carriage on the train. Oh, yeah, that would be... that. Uh, yeah, no, I don't really have anything to plug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy doing me. <laughs> dun, dun. Well, that's, that's us. That's us then. Have a gorgeous month of June and we'll catch you for whatever month comes after June. Yeah. 
Well, we'll catch you for June's roundup and then we'll face July. Roughly, roughly in a month's time. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye. See ya.